Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hello, folks. We are back for another weekly podcast. Here's your host, Father Martin. And your co-host, Steve Bucklin, riding alongside the Holy One. Uh, which one are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that would be you. You're, that, you're there's the a lot of ones around it's here. A... <laughs> anyway, anyway, so last week we got reprimanded by uh, WeCAD for sort of straying off the topic a little bit. Yeah, we, we, we apologize if you got too much saints and not enough relics. Yeah, he was very upset that we did not talk enough about relics. Yeah, he was specifically talking about, there was one in particular about uh, blood that congeals, and then of St. Januarius in Naples. Naples, Italy. Italy, yes. Another fine summer vacation destination, by the way. But are we digressing again? We are, we're already digressed, and we've barely begun. That's normal. <laughs> So. <laughs> it's just another day. So we actually do have a, we, we do have another topic uh, for this week, which hopefully we'll find as entertaining as relics and saints, uh, I, and informative, I and educational. I hope so. Yeah. And yep. it's a topic about something that everybody has. Everybody has one. Well, Wait. just about everybody has one. Really? If you don't have one, you you can get one. You can have it on your phone, your bookshelf, your iPad. Are we talking about the same topic here? We are. We're talking about the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible. Yep, the most published book in the history of the world, the most stolen book in the history of the world. And People steal Bibles? They do, they steal Bibles, yeah. Yep, it's the most stolen book ever. Interesting. Isn't that okay. fascinating? It yeah. is absolutely fascinating. I know, I know. And then, I was perusing eBay the other night, and I saw a first edition copy of the Gospel of Mark. You know what it was going for? How much? Almost $3 million. No way. Way? Wow. Can you believe that? No, of course you can't believe that. There's no first edition copy of the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> he got me just now. <laughs> he did look serious. I thought I totally had him. So, oh, my goodness. Of course, no. There's no first edition copy of the Gospel of Mark. So the Bible, as we know it, is was wood. constructed mm-hmm. or put together uh, in its current form. You know the date. Pop quiz. Ding. Oh, Father Mark just failed the first quiz. It's okay. It was St. Ambrose. We're going all the way back. Oh, the Vulgate. The Vulgate. Oh, yep. so gotcha. In its current form, right, that we've only had the Bible as we've known it now for about, what, 1,670-odd years. So uh, that's not a long time. So if you have to ask yourself, well, what did they do for, like, the first 350 years of the church? What were they reading? And it really was shocking for a lot of folks when whenever we have Bible studies that the Bibles that we have nowadays— People didn't go around telling Jesus, no, slow down, slow down, I'm writing things down like this. It all began with living tradition. Could you imagine? If only Jesus had Siri. <laughs> Isn't that great? Siri, yes, Master. Take this down. <laughs> but no, so for the uh, first, I guess, a uh, hundred years of the church, all they have is oral traditions, the teaching of the apostles, storytellings. Right. Because uh, a lot of people back then didn't know how to read. No, not only that, but uh, there was no printing press. Um, sadly, there was no Twitter. I don't know how anybody communicated, really. This whole notion of writing a letter seems so ancient. Uh, but uh, there, that's true. So for the first, uh, at least the first 50 to 60 years, um, maybe people would have a single copy 
of a particular gospel um, or, uh, or of another story, uh, which they would keep. Uh, and then it wouldn't be until much later uh, that we were able to start actually kind of binding together the gospel stories. Sure. And then there was a really famous council that kind of came together and decided what was going to be in the canon and what wasn't. That would be the Trent, right? Trent codified. This is before Trent. Is it before Trent? Yeah, wow. before Trent. It, it was official, official of Trent. So you are technically right, like official, official before Trent. But St. Jerome got some guidance uh, before that. Oh. Now, do in, uh, enlighten me. <laughs> I'm confused so, now. Uh, Brain how isn't can working. You be confused? I'm always confused. Well, this is, I mean, it is kind of confusing. So well, let's just back up a second. So if the Council of Trent decided what was going to be official, official. And the Council of right. Trent, in case for anybody that doesn't know, Council of Trent runs from 1545 to 1563. Right? Right. Right. And then another thing that happened just a few short years before the Council of Trent was really important in, the, in human history, also really important for the church, which was the uh, Guten, Gutenberg. No, even before that, is Gutenberg invents the movable type printing press. And so no longer are we having to hand copy books, right. right? Because remember, before that, so for 1,300 years, if you had a book, it was hand copied for the most part. Uh, the Bibles would be copied by the monks? By the monks, yep. Uh, yeah, probably with a beer in hand. They were good monks. They were drinking tra a fine Trappist ale, no doubt. And, you know, fastidiously copying, you know, page to page. Um, so before this Council of Trent, Bibles did exist. So uh, really what they did, what the council did at Trent, was they codified what St. Andrews had put out um, and was first listed uh, by St. Athanasius, who was a bishop of Alexandria in 367. Um, he basically took St. Jerome's work, listed it out, and that's the Bible we had today. It was really affirmed at the Council of Trent, but it had always pretty much been in the same form uh, that we have now, um, even going all the way back to them. So it's kind of amazing. But again, 300 years of people running around with no Bible. Which is very disturbing, isn't it? Well, you've heard of the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And you would say, eggs. But how did we get eggs without the chicken? Exactly. Now we get so all philosophical. Now, now we translate that to the church. So which came first, the Bible or the church? Uh, the church would come first. Of course, the church came first. Yeah, which is very troubling. Uh, well. Let's it just, can be very troubling. It can Let me be just very... say it can be very troubling. Depending on, on how you view things, that can be very troubling. So, because, because really, um, it's important to remember that, as you mentioned, the oral tradition, the carrying on of the stories. Mm -hmm. So what happens when we, when we have oral tradition and we tell each other stories? The stories sometimes Changes. change a little bit, yep. don't they? Right. And what happens when we translate? So if I give you some copy work right now and you copy it down, are you going to copy everything down 100% right? Well, you would. Hopefully. Because you're... Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. You're but, a choleric, so you, you, everything is fastidious. Uh, there was that word again. Uh, but no, but let's just say, for example, that many people... So I give one page, and there's 50 people copying it down. Invariably, there are going to be small discrepancies. Sure. The work. And, and even so, remember, each book of the Bible, or at least the Gospel... Specific, they were written for a specific audience. True. And so the way you tell a story to an audience is different from one to another. Exactly. Uh, so now that we've totally destroyed everything that you've thought of, the, you're like shaking, you're thinking it's time to walk away. This Bible stuff, Father Martin and Steve, they're ruining my faith. Let's build you back up. Yes. So it's not all bad. 
right? It's not at all. So what does the Catholic Church teach us about the Bible? The Catholic Church is very specific. Um, the Catechism is very specific that it is that revelation Catholic, from God. Right. It is that Jesus is the definitive revelation from God, of God, definitive revelation of God, yes, mm -hmm. and that the Bible contains the inerrant truth of God. Correct. Contains. Correct. That's the key, right? Mm -hmm. So, where do we go from there? So you're picking up, now, if you want to go buy a Bible, if you happen to be one of the few people around who don't have a Bible, there are many Bibles to choose from. It's always confused me, at, at, at least in the English it translations, is, because there's so many. There are so many. Translations. There are 100, slightly over 100 official English translations of the Bible that one could purchase today. Do me a favor, people. Learn Latin and just read it from original. <laughs> oh, no, the original would be Greek. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. I don't know Greek. <laughs> and it wouldn't just be any Greek. You'd have to learn Koine Greek and with a K. That's true. So... There's dialects of Greek. It's not just, it's all Greek to Father Martin, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what to do? So a hundred different versions of the Bible. So we're, we've, we've, we've kind of, we've upset everybody's apple cart, but let's pull it all back together. So what to do? So now, what is the official recommended Bible? What does the church recommend? Because probably the most famous Bible. Would be American would, Standard, isn't it? No, no, most famous. The most famous would be the King James Bible. That's true. Which is a very fine Bible. Okay, the King James Bible is commissioned by King James. King James. There you go. <laughs> See, it just it was so easy. You're like, it can't possibly. Isn't that like the, the 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 old English one? The old Thou English and thee, man. Yeah, it does. Well, that's okay. the Douay Reims. We're going to get to that. Okay. Okay. So the King James Bible, very fine uh, version of the Bible, one of the best translations available, mm -hmm. has only a few thousand errors in it, which is good, but it's still good. <laughs> Um, probably the most consistent or the first kind of real English translation of the Bible um, directly from Latin would be the Douay Reims version of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So that's French. It's Douay with a, a lot of extra letters and some vowels. Reims, which is a place, Douay Reims is actually a place in France, which is where it was translated. And if you happen to pick up a copy of the Douay Reims Bible, it's got a lot of these and thous and shall fonts and, 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 and so forth and with, with wool and yeah. So, uh, because when it was, it's translated, it's, it's a straight translation, so it's still in period, uh, so it's as people were talking about 250 years ago. And so, Douay Reims is a great source. Um, it's a direct translation, so you're going right from uh, the Latin Vulgate into English. Mm -hmm. uh, but, for those of you who don't like all those fancy words, you can pick up the New American Bible, or the NAB. Well, that basically the official um, Bible that the that the American church, at least that's what I believe. Um, is the New Revised Standard No, version? no, the uh, New American ver uh, Bible is what we use for the lect lectionary. Right. Uh, the, the NAB. I always call it the NAB. The NAB, The, okay. the NAB. Uh, whereas, the, I actually like this translation, the New Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition. So, if you want to go for the, the, the initial, it's N-R-S-V-C-E. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's that a is a lot. Acronym. But it's a good, it's a good translation, and it's a Catholic edition. So it's the nurse. Yeah. So it. this is the one that I use the most. You know, I thought you used the picture Bible. <laughs> Occasionally, okay. <laughs> the picture Bible. <laughs> it's easier to see it when it's just in. But so so, grab yourself a great uh, version of the Bible, and then as you begin to read the Bible, understand that. Um, 
the beauty of this work is that God's truth is contained in it in spite of all of the human agents who have gotten in the way over the years. And who do we have to thank for that? The Holy Spirit. Correct. Guiding these people to make sure that in spite of their little idiosyncrasies and the changing of the times, because language is dynamic. Language isn't static. Mm -hmm. I was just showing Father Martin before we started this podcast that that the University of Jerusalem adds almost 2,000 words to the Hebrew language every year just to keep Hebrew current. Uh, with so that there's actually current translation equivalents. So you can imagine that's been going on for he, years and years and years. He also showed me the the Alfada in Elvish, but that's the uh, it wasn't just point. in Elvish, folks. It was in Quenya in Sindarin. Okay, <laughs> okay, whatever that means. But one <laughs> of the things that it's hard for the people to to wrap their mind around is that the fact that. The Bible is written by human beings inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're just thinking that the human person is like a, a robot, just read out, just write out everything that God says and that whispers into their ears. No, God speaks through the human agents. Let's just say Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah who wrote his, by, his, his, uh, his book, but no, he taught it and then it was written down. But it, it reflects his personality. Uh, it reflects the, the context, uh, the background of who he is. Um, or the Gospel of Mark. Mark was preaching to a specific um, audience, and the way he portrayed, the way he conveyed the stories is so much different from John or from Matthew, um, who wrote from their, who, who talked and who conveyed the message from their own background and their own understanding as well. Exactly. And so, and you need to even look no further than the letters of St. Paul. You know, St. Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Well, you know, everyone knows. If you don't know about uh, the church in Corinth, folks, the church in Corinth was pretty much the ancient equivalent of Vegas. So what happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. Uh, And so that's why you see so many. Yeah, and worse. And so you see so many of his letters admonishing them to, you know, stop sinning. Uh, This is the Christian church. You're your disciples of Christ. Stop. Stop what you're doing. And repent um, but that's why so but in the course of doing that um, st. Paul was very uh, was able to um, convey very specific teachings of Christ and also give them application sure and the, an, another issue that we have is the fact that the Bible was written many 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 years ago you know language progresses it grows and it changes it evolves and and then the circumstance, the societies, uh, the social historical context also changes over the years, and it can very easily mis uh, be misinterpreted or misunderstood if we think that some of the ways it was written in the Bible should be looked at in the lenses like nowadays. That's right. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to understand how uh, uh, Noah lived eight hundred years. That's a, it's the new it's the Old Testament excuse me the Old Testament that always causes I think the most confusion with people because they're like all right well Noah lived you know eight hundred and seventy three years and so whenever I, I try to to teach a Bible class it's important to give the people the historical background because it gives a better lens into into what the the author intends. But that being said, God's words is living words. It's timeless. 
the message itself is timeless. And how do we make it timeless? By applying it to our daily circumstance. Uh, I bring God's words alive by bringing my own experience and dwell and delve into the living word with my experience. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Okay. You think it makes sense? So let's well, say you said it. So if it doesn't make sense, it makes sense to me. Yeah, all I did was wreck everything. You have the big responsibility of bringing it all back up. <laughs> Let, let's just say, like, I'm going through a tough time and I'm, I'm struggling, and then I, I open up the Bible to Saint Paul's letter to the Philippians. I don't know how do you pronounce it? The that? Philippines. Philippians. 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 Saint Paul's letter to the Philippines. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, 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 and read these encouraging words, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. You know, by that, by meeting, by bringing my own experience into the Word of God, I receive back what God wants me to receive. You know what I mean? So we're taking, yes, and, and it's important to just, um, as you know, just to throw a quick, quick flag, just a quick flag, a okay. small flag. It's important to remember um, when, when Father Martin speaks about bringing yourself into Scripture, what he doesn't mean is um, you deciding to bring your own translation into the Scripture. Correct. Interpretation right? that, of the Scripture isn't always a, a subjective thing. Exactly. So what the Church teaches us is that we bring truths out of, we bring forth from the Scriptures the truths of God. We don't bring our own truth and bring it into the scripture see so that would be like if i was going to do something like that i would i would decide to stake out some sort of position that's contrary i'd go find a little snippet of the bible probably out of context go see here's true. the justification for what i'm doing that it's is this true. phrase from blah 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 that would be bad in in a sense you have to measure your life according to the standards of the word of god instead of the other way around trying to fit god's words into your life Exactly. That's right. And and there's a fine line. There is a fine line. And so being able to bring God's truth out of Scripture and into your life is is what the goal really is. Um, but as a part of doing that, as you bring those truths out and apply them to your life, your own unique circumstances and your own unique perspective um, kind of help to determine how that truth is going to actually play out for mm -hmm. you. Does that make sense? It does make sense to me. So, let's say you're not a very good reader. All right? I'm not. You've got the picture Bible, but okay. So let's just say you come to Mass every Sunday. So you're a good Catholic. You're coming 52 Sundays a year, six Holy Days of Obligation, right? Just checking the Sunday box. So how much of the Holy Bible am I going to hear at Mass? Because every time we celebrate Mass on a Sunday, unless it's the Easter Vigil, with some very rare exceptions, we're going to hear from directly from sacred scripture four times. Right. From, four uh, times. The Old Testament, uh, the Psalms, the New Testament reading, and then the Gospel. Exactly. Now, occasionally there'll be some changes. Sometimes in Easter you get a couple of New Testament readings. We're going to diss the Old Testament for a couple of weeks mm -hmm. uh, and then bring it back during ordinary time. Uh, but by and large, yes. So we always we're going to hear at least four times. And so if you sit through um, a three-year cycle, because we rotate readings. This is the big secret. We're letting out, like, this is behind, you know, backstage oh, magic. Yeah. Folks. I, I just did some research on this. Uh, obviously, Steve had it all written down. So well, you know. Prepare to get your mind blown, people. So we actually 
divide up our readings into a three-year cycle. So right now we're in cycle A. Correct. We just finished cycle C. And so on the Feast of Christ the King every year, the last day in the church's year, we conclude that cycle of readings, and then we move on to another. And each of the cycles are categorized by their emphasis on the gospel writers. Okay? Correct. So we're in cycle A right now. But if you were to come consecutively, so you don't miss any time, you're never sick, you hit all 52 Sundays for three years. So that's 156 Sundays, unless my math is wrong. But I don't do math, so it I could don't be. do math either. But you will have heard, if you're paying attention, all right, 38% of the New Testament. Wow. And 3.7% of the Old Testament, excluding the Psalms. Just 3.7. Just 3.7. Now, say you're really, really devoted. You go to Mass every single Sunday, and you come every day. Now, the daily Mass that we, if you come and you celebrate Mass Monday through Saturday morning. It's a two-year cycle. It's a two-year cycle, not a three-year cycle. So if you hit a two-year cycle and all three years, you're going to jump up to 71% of the New Testament. Wow. How much uh, from the Gospel? I don't know. That's a great question. I don't actually have that fact in front of me. I could Never venture a guess, but I'd be wrong. Never mind. Then. <laughs> Sorry. But isn't it enough that you're getting 71% of the That's New pretty Testament? good. So you're getting a fairly good helping of the Gospels in there, mm -hmm. um, I would wager. But, uh, but it is amazing. So, so there's so much. So the point is, is even though you come to Mass and you do experience God's Word mm -hmm. uh, in Scripture, uh, there's still so much more to experience for yourself. The thing is... It's very difficult for people sometimes to get into the Old New, Old Testament because obviously it, sometimes the, the context is weird, the language is weird, the, the social practice is weird, and it doesn't make sense for them nowadays. Well, the, uh, I think part of that is because, um, particularly in the Old Testament, is really for a lot of it chronicles the, the Jewish people, mm -hmm. right? Um, it chronicles the Hebrews, and, and a lot of it is relative to their society. So when you talk about kings, um, there's a lot of God's lessons in there as it applies to you know, the mistakes or the, the trials and tribulations and that, that they were having as a society. Not too indifferent from the trials and tribulations we're having now, amazingly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all in there. But it's, it's, uh, and it's great. One of the other things that's really nice is when you, when you hear a piece of scripture that inspires you at Mass, to go home and read the whole thing in context. We only bring Hopefully snippets so, yeah. to you. You can only hear little pieces of it, so you don't get the whole story, particularly in the Old Testament. Sometimes we'll follow along in Old Testament readings from the prophets. We'll just take snippet after snippet after snippet, but you don't actually get it all in its entirety. And sure. it'd be like jumping in and watching 10 minutes of the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and then a week later you get 10 more minutes. And then ten more minutes, and then ten more minutes, or you could just sit and watch the whole movie. And I'm sure that's the intention of the church as well, by giving us the little snippets here and there, that it inspires us to explore more. Uh, for the first time, actually, myself uh, over the season of Lent, I read through the whole book of uh, Isaiah. Whoa, the prophet Isaiah is a long book. It is the long. It's heavy book. reading too. It is heavy reading. Sometimes I wonder, like, what is he saying? Did you have you read Ezekiel? All the uh, way through? Uh, most of it, yeah, actually. How about Job? Yes. You want to, you want to, you want to, you think your life is bad? Whenever you're feeling particularly bad about yourself, crack Job open. Suddenly you'll feel a whole lot better about your situation. <laughs> you're like, well, things could be worse. I could be Job. <laughs> but, uh, I've always said that the whole Bible 
itself is a love story. It is God's love story. And the Old Testament is the foundation, the foundation for us, for God to build up the climax, which is the life of Jesus himself. Right. So it would not make sense to read just the, just the gospel without having the backgrounds of the Old Testament, the foundation of it all. And to understand how all of these, so many of the things in the Old Testament point to or are directed to or align us towards Christ. Father Martin just realized where we are in the time. Yeah, we, we were so engrossed with this conversation about the living word of God that we just lost track of time. I know. So, so remember, I think, you know, kind of to, to wrap it up and land the plane, um, it's important to remember that, that God's truth is in the Bible. Um, and like so many aspects of our faith, it's waiting for us. We just simply need to engage it. Um, it's waiting for us to come and see um, what he has for us and what, sure. we, can, what we can learn from, mm -hmm. from his word. And Steve, in the beginning, mentioned a very important figure, uh, St. Jerome, who translated the Bible from Greek into Latin and, what, and codified what we have nowadays, sort of. Uh, but St. Jerome has this beautiful saying, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And so uh, a challenge for myself, for Steve, and for us all, is that to continue to explore, to read, and to dwell, to learn more about the scriptures. It is a great wealth of wisdom, a great wealth of, uh, of God's truth. And it's ongoing, it's un revealing itself all the time. But we have to expose ourselves to it. Read the Bible. Get yourself a Bible if you don't have one. And like we said, you know. Or you can get a Bible app. Like you can carry around like six Bibles in your pocket if you have a Bible app. That's true. That is true. But, you know, <laughs> take out a little chunk of your time during the day and just uh, read a chapter. Right. Read a chapter from one specific book. And before you know it, you go through the whole Bible. Or, you know, you know what else you can do? Because you can subscribe to get the daily readings from USCCB. So if you go to usccb.org, uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops will actually send you the daily readings that you would hear if you were at Mass that day. Um, so the, the bottom line is that the Bible at the, at the core is God's Word to us. And that Word is saying over and over again that I love you. I love you so very much that I, I, I'm willing to give everything. So listen to that word. Listen to the, the gentle voice of God and sometimes challenging voice of God guiding us along the way through the Holy Scriptures. Uh, make a habit. Make a habit of reading your Bible. And you never know. God has His own ways of surprise you with His own wisdom, His own guidance. Excellent. Very well put. So that wraps it up for Bible this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this topic. It was a lot of fun for us. A little frenetic at the beginning, but <laughs> hopefully we all landed in a good place. But would you expect any less from us? Absolutely not. Chaos and mayhem are new <laughs> nicknames. God bless everyone. Take, Take care. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.